Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hi, everybody. Okay, so thank you for joining me on our sixth episode of the Broken and Beautiful podcast. I have been honestly kind of dreading doing this episode. Not dreading it, but... I've been really anxious about it because this episode is the whole reason that I wanted to start this podcast. It's something that I've known I've had to share for a really long time, but it doesn't make it any easier. Sharing it doesn't make me feel weak, but it just it shows this vulnerability of me that I don't like to show. I like people to think that I'm like this tough, badass girl who can handle anything. I'm not vulnerable with a lot of people. I put on a happy face a lot of the time, which is part of the reason that I ended up where I did last summer. So anyways, okay, I'm anxious. We're just going to dive right into it. Today, I want to talk about my admission to the mental hospital and what led up to it. It is a very difficult conversation, and it's a really taboo conversation. People don't like to talk about when they're having a hard time, so they don't reach out when they are. But then it's too late, and it was almost too late for me. I want people to be aware of symptoms and things going on, and also be aware of what kind of help they can offer to these people. Because honestly, we had no idea. I didn't know. My parents didn't know. Like, what we thought of when we thought of a mental hospital was what you see on movies, which is not the case. For a little background, for those of you who are new here, I got divorced in the beginning of 2020. I was married for eight years to a man who is gay. I found out that he was gay about a year into our marriage. So I lived seven years of a married life with a man I knew was gay. We based our whole marriage, at least I based our whole marriage on our friendship and our love for each other as people. Like we were two people on a team and sexuality was not a huge part of it to me. So when I got divorced, just like all divorces, it got ugly. And I feel like what he really wanted for a long time kind of came out and it traumatized me because I felt like I was living a lie for so long, a lie that I had no idea was a lie. (laughs) You know, I thought, I thought for sure that we would get divorced, which I initiated it and that he would continue to be my best friend. He would stay here and help me raise our children and you know like he would be my best friend we just wouldn't be married anymore we would have the opportunity to be loved romantically by other people which i wanted for both of us but i also i wanted him in my life so badly so when it turned out to be that he didn't want to be in my life it broke me so beginning of Let's see, probably beginning of like May last year is when I found out about his boyfriend and things just all went downhill from there. And I started, I've always struggled with anxiety and depression, but at that point I started to slip deeper and deeper into 
my depression to a point that I had never been before. I'd never dealt with a depression as deep as I had after that point. And with every, every little thing that came up with him and different, the different events just made it worse and more difficult. So I'd always struggled with anxiety and depression, especially anxiety. It has been really bad. I was actually put on medication when I was pregnant with my youngest, who is now 18 months. So I've been on that for a while and it's worked really good. I've medication for my anxiety has helped a ton. But when I was really starting to worry about myself was I was making all these decisions that I knew wasn't me. I felt like I was I was a stranger living in my body, trying to live my life. And it sounds wild, it doesn't make any sense, but I just felt like I was just watching my life, making all these decisions that didn't jive with who I thought that I was, because who I thought that I was didn't matter anymore. And I was not a person who was equipped to be a mom, and I wasn't a good daughter and I wasn't like the list goes on and on if I wasn't worth keeping my only friend around what was I worth like of course my children love me because they have to they don't know anything else but the person who was not just supposed to love me because he was my husband but because he was my best friend he didn't I wasn't worth anything to him and I placed so much of my worth in that through my marriage. It, I was, yeah, <laughs> sorry, I'm kind of rambling, but this, it's hard to explain. And it's also hard to recall because a lot of last summer I spent in a daze. I really, I dis disassociated from a lot last summer. So when you ask like what led up, to my hospital stay, I can't give you exact details, but I mean, I can give you general, but the one, the one incident that I wanted to share with you that I, I didn't share with my doctors. I didn't share in the hospital because I knew it was bad and I, I was so ashamed. I didn't share it, but I feel like I need to share it now. Because I think it can open some people's eyes to suicide. So it was in June. I it was one of the one of the few times that my kids were at their dad's house for a few days in a row. And I went and got my hair dyed, I dyed it brown, and I'm a natural blonde, so it was like this big change for me, and I was so excited. Then on my way home, I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't have to be at work, my kids aren't home, I'm just gonna take a drive, and I'm gonna, you know, just do me for a while, and 
it'll feel good. And so I started going on this drive out to Cathedral Valley in Capitol Reef. One of the first things I realized and I started thinking to myself is I could die out here and nobody would know. Nobody would care that I was gone and they wouldn't even figure it out until I didn't show up for work. And so that's what started my thought process was those thoughts like, I don't have anybody who who would notice if I didn't come home. I, there was nobody who would be checking up on me. Of course, I've got my family, but it wouldn't, like, I'm a grown-ass woman. They're not going to be like, hey, every single night checking in on me. I didn't have anybody. And from that moment, I just felt so alone and so helpless. The first half of the drive was really healing for me because going to Cathedral Valley was something that me and my ex-husband would always talk about. We always wanted to go and do that drive, but we never seemed to have the time. We could never make it work, so we didn't. And so I was kind of feeling so good about myself, like, hey, like I'm doing this thing that we wanted to do. And then, but those thoughts, those thoughts of like, there's nobody, there's nobody who cares. Nobody would find me. And how would anybody find, know where I was even to search for me? So when I finally got to the lookout point where you put, you can pull off and there's a little picnic table and you can look over the Cathedral Valley and I shut the truck off. And at this point, I knew I was going to run out of gas. I've just got to throw this in here because this is important to the story. I knew I was going to run out of gas before I made it home because I, my, my empty light was on. So I, I get up there and it's about halfway through the drive. I get out and I shut the door and I kind of take it in for a minute. And then all of a sudden this feeling came over me. I don't even know how to explain it and I just I ran I I thought this is it this is my chance there's nobody to stop me everybody's life is gonna be better without me my kids deserve somebody who is stable and I'm not stable and I'm not worth anything so I ran to the edge I was going to jump and I ran and I, I got to the edge and something stopped me and just, I just had this feeling to look, look at where I was and look at the sky and the sunset was so beautiful. like. It was gorgeous, and you could see for miles, and and I thought, <laughs> I thought, I have to take a picture of this sunset, it's so pretty. <laughs> I came that close to ending my life without a second thought. I didn't think twice about it, I just ran. But the sunset is what stopped me. And so I, after I took my pictures of the sunset, 
I just sat on the ground in the dirt and I sobbed and I'm so glad there was nobody around because I sobbed like a baby. I just, the emotions that came over me, it was, it was a lot. It was, I was grateful to be alive. I was grateful that I stopped, but I was also really sad because I had to keep living. And I know that sounds really messed up, but that's just the truth of it. I had to continue dealing with what I was dealing with and putting the people that I loved through what I was putting them through. And so I was just... I just <laughs> was full of different emotions. And after I kind of regained myself and I got back in my truck to start driving home, then it was... It was a second chance for me to f to end my life because I I was gonna run out of gas I knew that and I knew that if I did I would die out in the desert because nobody would be able to find me and I would die from heat exhaustion and nobody would know where I was so that was kind of my second chance and I I got to a spot where I had one bar of service and I stopped the truck and I just sat there for a while debating on whether or not I should text my parents and ask them to come give me some gas <laughs> because they're on this search and rescue team. They know how important this stuff is and they understand. I honest, I sat there probably for 20 minutes just trying to decide if I should call them, if I should text my mom and tell her where I'm at and that I'm going to run out of gas so they know where to look for me because I didn't. I didn't want someone to come look for me because I didn't think anyone cared. So I decided, I finally just did it. I just I texted my mom and I said, hey, by the way, I'm going to run out of gas. I did the Cathedral Valley Loop. I'm on my way back. I'll be exiting through Canesville. And so I just kept driving. Then my parents finally caught me. <laughs> they were so pissed. They were so mad at me because I. it was, by this time, it was late. It was like 10 o'clock at night. And they had to get their asses out of bed and bring their crazy daughter gas. And <laughs> it was just a mess. And I was just so happy to see them and so happy to be there. But at the same time, so sad. It was so weird. It was a lot to process. And things really went downhill for me from that moment. Every time I would drive somewhere, I would go on drives at night purposefully by myself. And I would play chicken with semi-trucks, trying to see if I could stay in the other lane long enough to be hit by the truck. Because that's what I wanted. I remember just sitting there in the middle of the summer. It was probably July. My kids were gone. I just sat on my couch and stared out the window. And I thought, something is wrong with me. This is not me. There's something wrong with my brain. I need help. Like, I just had this moment where everything just kind of came to me and it made sense that I needed help, that this is not normal. And there was a couple of events that happened throughout the summer that were very, very happy events, like weddings and all that good stuff that was good, but it was really difficult for me. After my cousin's wedding. I just, I lost it. I think that that was my breaking point, honestly. 
and not because she got married, but just because of everything. I, I don't even know how to explain it or what it was, but that was my breaking point. Because it was only a few days after the wedding that I was admitted to the hospital. So after that wedding, let's get back on track. <laughs> after the wedding, I was a mess. And I remember going to see my dear friend who also works in my RV park. And she just gave me a big hug and she said, you know, I have to tell you something and I don't want you to be offended by it, but I think that I need to tell you. I said, okay, what is it? And she's, she just holds me and she says, I think that it would be good for you to talk to your doctor about going to a mental hospital. Go to the psych ward and get your get your stuff figured out. You've dealt with some really intense trauma and you're you're not okay because I've known her for a long time and she just knew that I wasn't I wasn't me. And mind you, I didn't tell anybody about what happened at Cathedral Valley to me. I didn't, nobody, not my parents, not the doctors. I didn't tell anybody about it. The first time I told somebody was actually only like a month ago. So she told me that, she told me that she thought that I should go because she actually had spent some time in one after her divorce and her trauma. And so she was kind of speaking from experience and I just, I knew that she was right but I was terrified I was so scared because in my mind I thought my ex-husband if he knows he's gonna use this against me to keep custody of the kids or what like the list was so long like this is gonna be so bad for me plus I'm not crazy I don't belong with the people who talk to trees and stuff, you know, like how they make it seem in the movies. And she asked if we could call my mom together and tell her. So we called my mom and my mom went and talked to Vicky separately and we kind of talked about it and we decided it was on the table. It wasn't completely off the table, but I did want to try and fix some things first. And so the next day, my thought was, I'm going to go see my doctor and see about getting my medications changed. Maybe that's what's causing it. So I go to my amazing doctor. I love her so much. And I'm just like, I'm not okay. I told her I'm not okay. I need my medications changed or something. Please help me. <laughs> and she says, okay, here, take this little quiz. Let's see how bad you are. It's like those little depression quizzes that they give you at the doctor. If you've had babies, you probably know what I'm talking about. And so you, I'm going through and I'm answering all the questions and like the highest score you can get is like a 25. And if you're at a 25, you are the most depressed. That's bad, bad, bad. You want to get a low score. So I took it and I got a 23 out of 25. And my doctor's just like, you're not telling me things like what is going on with you. I didn't tell her about Cathedral Valley, but I did tell her about wanting to die and make it look like an accident, like driving in the wrong lane of traffic and how I had done that a couple times and kind of explained to her where my head was at some of the time. She said, you need more help than medication can give you. I think you need to go to the hospital. 
So she called right then to the hospital in St. George, Utah, and got me an appointment to go the next day. So the next day, my parents load me up in their truck, and we go down there. They have to do the whole nine yards to check you in and ask you all these questions and make sure that you are a good candidate for an inpatient treatment at the hospital rather than doing any kind of outpatient treatment or medications because being an inpatient at the hospital is a big deal, especially in the year 2020 <laughs> that I went. It was COVID, middle of COVID, everything was a mess. People's mental health was struggling bad, so they were being pretty selective with who they let in so that they could fit as many people in the hospitals as they needed to. So sure enough, they tell me, yeah, we've got to admit you, but we don't have an open bed anymore. Because when I called earlier that day, they did. And at that point, when I was finally admitted, they did not have a bed. And I said, all right, what's our options? <laughs> because I live four hours away from here. And they said since I was admitted at that point and I was a danger to myself, they couldn't let me take myself to a different hospital. So they had to call around and find a bed for me. I took the very last bed in a mental hospital in the state of Utah at that time. It was clear up in Ogden. So if any of you know the layout of Utah, driving from St. George to Ogden on an ambulance in the middle of the night, it was like eight hours. <laughs> but they did, they did give me something for anxiety to help me sleep though. So I took an eight-hour ambulance ride all the way up to Ogden where I was admitted and it was just surreal. <laughs> like it was, I was just feeling like, is this really happening to me? Like how am I, how did I end up here? I never thought that that would be what my life looked like ever in a million years. I had always been somebody with goals and positivity and that was not me. That was not my life, but it was. There I was in the McKay psychiatric ward. I spent a little over a week there and it was the most helpful and honestly inspiring thing that I have ever done. The people that were in the ward with me were homeless people and drug addicts that were trying to come off of their drugs and divorcees and people who had been through trauma just like me. There wasn't anybody in straight jackets like I never felt threatened. I met the kindest people I've ever known in that mental hospital. The kindest people. And my heart broke for them because like how how are these people that I grew to love over that week, how did they end up here? And it really opened my eyes to the different kind of mental illnesses that people deal with and how they deal with them. Going to the hospital was the hardest and most beneficial thing I have ever done for myself. Obviously, I wouldn't live through the suicide attempts, all that stuff again, but if I got to a point in my life where I needed to go again, I would in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I would go because you, you spend your day talking to therapists and doing group therapy, which is amazing. That was my favorite part. And working with like doctors on your meds and your goals. And it just breaks my heart that I wouldn't be here if I would have let those stigmas stop me from going. 
the stigmas of oh well they're gonna he's gonna use it against me in court or what are people gonna think of me when they find out I'm in a psych ward people are going going to avoid me I'm not crazy uh, <laughs> I would have rather have told people that they were sending me to jail than to a mental hospital and that is sad the place that saved my life is something that people are ashamed of when someone has cancer you expect them to go to the hospital and get help. Why is it not the same for mental illnesses? Those mental illnesses can end your life just as easy as cancer can. Why aren't we more supportive of people who need help? So I just want to invite all of you guys to kind of look around and look at your life and how you perceive mental health and getting help. Are you part of the problem or are you going to help change the stigma behind getting help? We need to save as many lives as we can. Everybody is important, no matter how much they think that they're not. One of the things that was hardest for my family and the people around me is I hid my pain and my sadness and all my issues so well. Of course, I would have an occasional breakdown where I would cry at work in the walk-in. But for the most part, nobody knew the extent. Nobody really knew what I was going through. Anytime anyone would ask how I was doing, I would just say fine. If it wasn't for the group of people that I had around me after, my friends, my family, they saved me. Be there for each other. Check up on people, because you never know who might need it. So that's about all that I want to share on this episode, because this is going to be my longest episode. I did ask for you guys to send me some questions to answer, and you guys did. You came out, and I'm not going to have time to answer them, so I'm going to make a part two of this where I just go through and answer all of those questions. I think that I'm going to have my mom join me and kind of talk about her side of things and dealing with my issues and my hospitalization as my mother and someone who loves me. I think that would be really good. I love you all. Thanks for listening. And if I said something today that resonated with you or reminded you of somebody or you feel like you need to share my episode with someone, please do. If you've ever felt any of the feelings that I described, please reach out to me. Just know that you're always welcome to message me or text me or call me because it makes a world of difference to know that somebody's there and somebody understands. It doesn't make you weak for feeling these things. It doesn't make you weak for getting medicated and getting help. That makes you stronger because you're brave enough to ask for the help that most people are too ashamed to ask for. I love you all. Thanks for listening. Bye. Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.